decided that we want to make access to legal documents, but specifically a will, easy, uh, where they can do it from their own home, and they can do it quickly and cost-effectively. And that is effectively what we've done by our MyWill um, product. We've given the clients the opportunity to either alone or with their spouse or partner at home, draft their wills on their couch in lockdown at a fraction of the cost. Welcome to the Tech Legal Matters podcast by iAfrican Radio. Since 2015, we at iAfrican.com have been doing research and publishing about significant data breaches and leaks across Africa. Some we have reported on publicly, while others were too sensitive and we simply notified the relevant authorities without publicly reporting on them. During the same period, we have also researched and reported extensively on cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection-related matters across Africa. What we have always observed is that not many people and organizations understand the legal implications of the various technologies that they use. In this podcast, we will explore these topics and more, with a specific focus on the intersection of technology and the law, how that affects you as an individual, but also from a business perspective. New episodes of the Tech Legal Matters podcast will be broadcast every Friday. The podcast will also feature analysis, insights, and commentary from attorneys who specialize in information and communications technology law. My name is Defo Mohapi, and I will be your host. Now for a word from our sponsors. Hello, my name is Lucien Pierce, an attorney in South Africa. What I have noticed over the years is that technology continues to challenge the legal system. What I mean is that sometimes laws battle to keep up with the speed at which technology is changing and the various new technologies that are launched. At Pukube Pierce Masitela Attorneys, our team of lawyers all have a passion for information and communications technology law and are well versed in the latest technologies and the laws applicable to them in South Africa. With 15 years of experience as a law firm in South Africa, we specialize in information and communications technology, marketing and advertising, and infrastructure related to these sectors. PPM Attorneys has a long list of satisfied clients and an unblemished record. So visit us at ppmattorneys.co.za and talk to us about all your legal matters related to technology. The legal profession and justice systems in many countries are often seen to be the last to adopt digital technology solutions. However, there's usually a good reason for that. Among many other considerations when adopting digital technology solutions in the justice system is that you need to be able to prove that the documents and information being used have not been tampered with and have been preserved as they were originally received or produced. This is important because, as I understand from a layman's perspective, tempered documents during a legal process could result in a legal matter completely being dismissed as they cannot be relied upon. Joining me today on the Tech Legal Matters podcast is Matthew Devet, an attorney in South Africa, who will help us unpack some of the legal technology solutions available for attorneys and what to look out for when considering such tools as an attorney. Matthew, thank you for making time to chat to us. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Appreciate it. Uh, during this lockdown, it must be relatively difficult working as an attorney, given the restrictions of movement, etc. How are you guys going about it at your practice, especially with things like client consultations, signing documents, etc.? 
Yeah, Tefo, I must say we're actually quite a resilient uh, profession in that um, if you take court work out of it, which I'll talk about in a few moments, when it comes to commercial work, consultations are quite easily to be held online by ways such as Zoom or Skype. And uh, in, in terms of that, you can consult with your client clearly if, of course, they do have access to a secure internet uh, service um, or even over the phone. It's quite easy to get a, a handle on that and, and to navigate a consultation. When it comes to then negotiating and concluding uh, an agreement or other documents, obviously, some of the issues become how are we going to then print and sign this uh, agreement in a way that we know it's going to be binding. So, for example, if we've got two different parties wanting to conclude a joint venture agreement, and of course you're thinking you want to, as an attorney, make sure that that agreement is binding, your client is protected, that they don't start uh, operating under the agreement and one party says, oh, well, look, it wasn't signed and they have wiggle room to get out of the agreement. So you want to look after your client. With regards to that, and especially in lockdown and restricted movements, um, you need to understand that with contracts, most of them don't need to be signed. There are very few number of contracts that by law need to be signed, one of which is a sale of land agreements okay. that need to be signed and, and special uh, considerations need to be had around that. But for the rest of agreements, you can quite easily have a verbal binding agreement. That being said, if you then had to conclude an agreement and all the parties had to in writing over email say, we all accept this agreement, uh, then there's nothing unless someone else can prove that that wasn't the final agreement. All being said, those could be your terms that you've agreed on and you would have evidence to provide in court if that ever came up that that was indeed what was agreed on. Uh, the, so signatures and agreements generally aren't required as long as everyone can say that the, there was a meeting of the minds and then that agreement will be binding. What has helped is the Electronic Communications Act has allowed documents to be signed electronically. So there are e-signature uh, options. Uh, people are using that for most agreements. That's fine. For court work, it does get a little bit more tricky. Uh, and that's not entirely in, in, in my uh, range of expertise. But for court work, you, you still are going to have a bit of a problem. And there have been directives from the high court and, you know, court times and, and, and accessibility and to the courts at the moment. So we are having a bit of difficulty there. But, you know, there you would ultimately in, in, in the normal course, sit with an advocate if you are in a court battle and, and you would have access to, to sign. You would need, you would need a consultation with an advocate and being present would be a little bit more important. But going back to the commercial agreements, we find the electronic signatures are fine. And as I said, it's, it's more about whether we can really show that there was a meeting of the minds between all the parties. So I just want to make it clear for our listeners and based on what I understand. So you're saying from an attorney's perspective and even from your sort of clients and the common public, things like uh, Skype uh, consultations or agreements over email, etc., are sort of legally permissible should things get to court. Absolutely. Absolutely. With the exception of a very few, and, and the will is one I want to touch on later, and, and the sale of land act, with the exception of, of those few agreements, most agreements don't even need to be in writing. The reason that, that people put them in writing is obviously it's much easier to prove should it ever be challenged in court. Um, and, and like I said, even if it is in writing, we can apply things like uh, e-signatures to it, as long as everyone can show that that was the final agreement that we all agreed on, uh, and uh, there's no dispute as to which version we were dealing with. As long as it's clear, 
Uh, we can have e-signatures or just an email going around with everyone saying, this is the final agreement. We can't sign it in lockdown or uh, or even outside of lockdown because we're far in the world apart and, and, and we don't have the capability to sign it. As long as everyone's minds meet on, on that document, that will be legally binding. Okay. Now, you mentioned you wanted to talk about the wool, and that's part of why I've got you on, the, on this episode of the podcast. You also developed a digital solution yourselves. Can you give us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So, I think now talking about a wool is is incredibly important because people are feeling a little bit uneasy and while they might not feel directly threatened, it definitely, there's been a lot of introspection from people and they're thinking about getting their, their affairs in order. And one of those things to do is, is get your will in order. And what I found was a lot of people haven't got their will done yet. And it's really just due to a few things. But what I found is the two major reasons why people haven't done their will is number one, um, they don't have access to a will. So to traditionally get access to a will, you would either need to see an attorney or an accountant or another advisor. You would need to take time of work to travel during business hours to go and see them. Uh, And it's very difficult to take that time off. And Otherwise, it could be very expensive. You're paying for a consultation. You're paying for the cost of drafting. And I found that those two are barriers to entry for people wanting to get their wills done. And there's no time like now to really start thinking about these matters. So we decided that we want to make access to legal documents, but specifically a will, easy, uh, where they can do it from their own home and they can do it quickly and cost effectively. And that is effectively what we've done by our MyWill um, product. We've given the clients an opportunity to either alone or with their spouse or partner at home, draft their wills on their couch in lockdown at a fraction of the cost. Okay, that's interesting. And obviously it goes back to the to what we were talking about earlier, that this product that you've, this solution, this online solution you've put together is also still legally valid because you've got measures in place to ensure that people can prove that they agreed to this will or that's the final will they signed. That's exactly right. The lockdown presented challenges. In the ordinary course, what we would do is uh, once you've completed the process and uh, you've downloaded your will for our system, you would then receive at the same time a page with signature instructions. And the reason why we specifically need to set out signature instructions is because a little earlier I mentioned the will was one of those documents that was slightly different to a normal agreement in that the Wills Act applies to the drafting and executing of wills. And in that regard, the Wills Act sets out very strict formalities on executing your will. So, for example, the will must be signed on every page. There must be two competent witnesses. A witness cannot be someone who's taking a benefit under the will, i.e. they must be independent. They must be over the age of 14 years. And failure to comply with all of those stringent formalities will lead to the will being invalid, which you can imagine would be a very terrible situation for a family of a deceased member if it came out after the fact that it was challenged because it was found invalid. So it, so it's very important to follow these procedures. Now, ordinarily, it's not that much of a problem. But in lockdown, that has proved to be very difficult because if you think about all the households, households around the country, how many have access to printers? Yeah. Even if you had access to a printer or a printing store opened up in one of the levels, you would need to find two witnesses over the age of 14 who aren't taking a benefit in the will. 
Now, unless you're living with friends, that's not going to happen because you're in a family where mom and dad are probably leaving everything to the kids and the kids, if they're over 14, then wouldn't be able to witness. So if effectively, in terms of the Wills Act, your will would then be invalid. So the, the, the good part of this is that in terms of the Wills Act, there is a provision condoning non-compliance if, uh, by a court. And one of those reasons, and, and the courts have then looked at this and the Supreme Court of Appeal has, has, has dealt with it before, is whether it can be proven that the document, even though it didn't meet the formalities, was in fact authored by the testator, the person drafting it, okay. and it was his will. And secondly, that it was intended to be his last will and testament. So in one of the cases we looked at, uh, a friend, uh, sorry, the testator had emailed an electronic copy of his will to his friend, and he had left it there, and he had subsequently passed away without printing it or signing it. And the Supreme Court of Appeal said, that's fine, it's valid. So what we've done is when you download your will through our system, we give you a, a very detailed document that downloads with the will that gives you lockdown procedures on how to execute your will validly and legally and post-lockdown procedures. And that really helps those and gives them a step-by-step -step guide on what to do to make sure their will is valid during this time of lockdown. Okay, that's interesting. Now, I know that there was in South Africa, if I'm not wrong, a few years back, I don't know if it still exists, one of the banks or several of the banks were offering a service where you could, I think they said, draft your will. Does one need to consult an attorney or is it advisable to consult an attorney or a service like my will in drafting a will? That's a very good question. So what we did is we addressed that issue. What, what another stumbling block to legal tech is people need to trust it, but also people need to know that it's as good as going to see someone. So you're paying less through an automated system that's going to draft your will, but you're not sitting with a warm person. And one of the risks is that you don't, you might not understand the questions that are being asked and the answers have a direct effect on what's going to go in the will. Now, when you don't have someone to ask, you have a bit of a problem because you might not know the effects of what you're answering. What we've tried to do is we've tried to replicate as much as possible the consultation, um, but through automation. So at each step of each question, okay, we have got a little question mark on the, on the platform that you can hover above and the user gets full information, as much information as I would give in a consultation on how to answer the question. What does the question mean? What is the significance? And what are my options? So we've tried to replicate that so that the user feels like they're getting all the knowledge they need to be able to do this themselves. And we've tried to make it very easy, a nice, easy interface without compromising on the quality and the, uh, the outputs. So our documents are comprehensive. They give the users a lot of inputs to be able to tailor the agreement for their specific needs and, with, and we are very specifically not a templating service. So it's not going to input your name and your address and the rest is standard. It's a That's smart document. Yeah, and as they're building and as they're answering questions and pulling down drop-down menus and filling in tables, so in the background, the agreement is changing. Clauses are going out, clauses are coming in so that it's tailored for them. Of course, it might not meet everyone's requirements. If you've got a very complex estate that you know you need to see someone about, 
That's why we sit right behind it as attorneys, ready to advise if you need a consultation, which we can again do by Zoom or whatever we need to do in lockdown. Um, so that the, that support and that expertise sits right behind. But for most people who have a relatively simple estate and they just want to make sure that their kids are looked after, that the guardianship issues are sorted out, um, that their, their kids, if they're minors, that maybe there's going to be a trust set up so that it doesn't go to the guardian's fund. Those things, relatively uh, standard issues, are more than uh, well more than well dealt with in this in this uh, in the system. Now for a word from our sponsors. Hello, my name is Lucien Pierce, an attorney in South Africa. What I've noticed over the years is that technology continues to challenge the legal system. What I mean is that sometimes laws battle to keep up with the speed at which technology is changing and the various new technologies that are launched. If you are experiencing this challenge, our lawyers at PPM Attorneys all have a passion for information and communications technology law and are well-versed in the latest technologies and the laws applicable to them in South Africa. Visit us at ppmattorneys.co.za and talk to us about all your legal matters related to technology. Now, considering my will and all the other technology solutions that attorneys can use, what would you say people in the legal profession should look out for when adopting uh, technology solutions, whether it be video conferencing or things that are very specific like my world? Uh, I think it's, it's obviously going to depend on the size of the firms. Obviously, you know, bigger firms are going to either have their own technology drafted and built. And we've seen overseas, <laughs> and it's quite incredible, and it, and it it threatens us all a little bit, but as attorneys, but uh, you see bots giving um, legal advice. Oh, yes. Developing that technology. And obviously, we're all worried that we're all going to be out of a job one day because, uh, you know, the bots are going to know everything. But there is definitely uh, the significance of a warm touch um, at the end of it. You know, yeah, so I, I think obviously all most attorneys um, can work from home and uh contact and communicate with their clients via, via Zoom, etc. The, the court work's going to be a little bit more difficult, obviously. Um, we obviously rely on the courts to, you know, if we're going to have a situation where, you know, we can have an, almost an e-court, but I think we, we're far off from there. It might, you know, even um, you, you're still required to deliver hard copies of documents to courts, and we have physical files. And I, I think it's interesting. I think these things might might change. It's incredible how we've all uh, managed to adapt so quickly to lockdown and businesses are coming out with, with very uh, clever ways of, of working around having to meet physically and meet clients and, and work collaboratively um, in a team. I'm lucky we've got a small team, so we're able to so work quite, quite well with our tech. But, you know, there are definitely a lot of technology that manages your team uh, where you've got workflows and processes in place that, that manages that and you can have managers looking out for who's doing what and managing the workflow. But it would be interesting to see uh, the courts come up with some kind of an e-system where we can ultimately have uh, cases heard online and, uh, you know, filing and everything completely online. Uh, you know, you also don't run the risk of files being lost and... Right. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, conveniently misplaced. Um, but you know, I, I, just from from the kind of stuff that, like for example, my will, we're really just trying to come to the person so that they don't have to leave their home. I think people are going to be scared to leave 
their homes for a while and, and have physical face-to-face -face meetings. And I think we've got to adapt so that we can accommodate all of our clients' needs uh, electronically. And, you know, we've got the technology to do it. It's just implementing it uh, and also making sure our partners like the, the master's office and the high courts, and they start implementing the same uh, uh, technology so that we can kind of interface with them on behalf of our clients without having to go in. That's going to take some time though, understandably, but uh, an e-filing system for all of the sort of the, like the master and the, and the deeds office and the, uh, and the high courts would be fantastic. And we would all be able to adapt. We've got, we've had so much tech around for so long and I think we are only now discovering it and using it. And, you know, I think I was doing my own marketing videos the other night by downloading some um, video editing software and, you know, never thought of doing that before, but uh, yeah. it's all been there for a while and we're all just kind of now using it. No, that's good to hear. So I guess like, like anything, they need to check these solutions out to make sure, especially when it comes to sort of the justice department in trying to assess what's, what technology solutions they can implement, they need to make sure that whatever is being implemented can be legally sort of uh, permissible or legally accepted, that nothing, there's no undue influence, e.g. when you on a video conference call or a court hearing via video conference, and there's not somebody who's out of camera who's holding a gun to your head and making you say things. Exactly right. Um, I think it's a good time to be a software developer all around. I think uh, it, it, I've been speaking to some of our development guys and, and you know, been, there's just so much opportunity for them now to get involved, to offer these kind of solutions that we're talking about now, secure solutions, um, because I, I, it's going to be a while before we are obviously back doing what we used to do and, and having physical contact. And to be honest with you, what has come out of this is uh, in increases in efficiency. Um, I mean, just personally, I would, there's a lot of clients that would want me to travel to them and that takes time and, and it's inefficient because, uh, you know, you, there's a lot of jokes about attorneys and fees, but you know, the, the reality is if you travel an hour to a client and you travel an hour back and you have an hour meeting, uh, you know, you either losing two hours or you're trying to build those two hours and it's not great for your client to pay it, but it's not great for you to lose it. Now you jump on a zoom call and you haven't, there's no efficiency loss. And I really think this is a great opportunity to, for legal firms and other firms like, to do what they can to become more effective and efficient. And I think we are already doing that, making use of technology. But I do think there's a lot, uh, a lot to be done uh, in the legal space technology-wise. Uh, you're right, it, 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 the legal fraternity has been slower to, uh, to evolve. And for some of the reasons you mentioned, privacy uh, and security, et cetera, but it doesn't mean we can't, and I think we should. And I think there is opportunity now for, for developers to get on board and, and to provide some wide-ranging solutions for the legal fraternity. Yeah, I agree. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? Um, nothing from my side. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about where we're going. I'm excited about what we've created, and I'm excited to see what other people are busy creating to make uh, life easier. I love tech. I love things that make uh, the, the firm work faster and better and and simpler. And I love the benefit it's, for example, the the, the MyWall brings to its users in that you've got same quality of service at a much cheaper rate. And I'm, I'm hopefully the consumer at the end of the day uh, will be the winner as well. 
As we always say on this podcast, as much as we're discussing tech legal matters or legal tech, none of what is said here constitutes legal advice. Matthew, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Stefan. Remember to tell your friends, family, and colleagues that the show is available to listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, or any other app that you use to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure to head over to www.iafrican.com forward slash radio. That is www.iafrican.com forward slash radio and subscribe to get notified on new episodes of the Tech Legal Matters podcast and any other iAfrican radio shows. Stay safe on the web.